It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on Newstalk 95.3. Michiana's News Channel, your breaking news and weather station. With financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Powered by Ledoux, Kern, and Keene on the web at lck-law.com. Remax Inspired Homes and First State Bank. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to News Talk 95.3, Machinist News Channel. You are listening to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Every week, we're talking through various financial planning issues, tricks, and tips to help you navigate your financial situation with success and help you reach your financial goals. My name is Mike Bernard, and I'm here with Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. The three of us are financial planners at Corhorn Financial Group, three of seven on the team there. We're glad to be spending this hour with you. Coming up on today's show, we're going to be tackling one of the hardest financial goals to accomplish and the right way to plan ahead and reach this goal with success. Later, we've got some listener questions teed up, which is always my favorite part of the show. As always, we want to answer your question. So you can submit your question two ways. You can call in to our voicemail box, which is 574-222-2000, and you can leave your question and all the details right there in the voicemail. Or you can get more information on the show and submit a question online by going to wisemoneyradio.com. And thank you for your patience. This past week we got more questions and, and questions on the voicemail and email questions than we've had in a while. And so it may take us a little while to get to your questions. So thanks in advance for your patience. Good point, because they're great questions. And we're mm-hmm. kind of chomping at the bit to answer them, but, but we're going to hit them kind of in line here. So. All right, so we're in the fourth week of a series that we started about the seven biggest life transitions that people face in their adult life and how to plan for them financially. Of the seven, it seems like two of them are obvious. If we were to just quiz people, hey, what do you think the seven biggest transitions are in people's financial life? I think they'd just automatically get two, and that'd be getting kids through college and being able to retire someday. So not that the other ones are less important. I just think these two just naturally float to the top of people's minds. And so today we're actually going to be hitting one of those. We're going to be talking about planning for the transition of having kids get into college. That's going to be the topic of today's show. But if we put it into context, though, of the seven in the series, if you've been listening along, you know that we started this series with the very first transition being from school to career. It's kind of that transition into adulthood where you're self-supporting for the first time. The second transition that we talked through was single to married. Then we moved to uh, married to parenting. Today, as Mike said, we're hitting the college years. That's our fourth transition. It's a big one. But uh, moving on in in future weeks here, we're going to be hitting empty nesters. The sixth transition is career to retirement. And then we're going to round it all out with married to single again. So hopefully we've got something on the docket that's hitting your exact area of life right now, the phase that you're in. And uh, hopefully you'll learn a thing or two. And if you if you heard Josh talk through that and you think, oh, I, I must have missed one of those, tune into the podcast. You can get there at wisemoneyradio.com or you can get there on iTunes. We've got all the previous episodes right there so you can, you can check them out. But Okay, so we've talked uh, a lot before about the six areas of financial planning. And as you're hitting this really important stage of life, putting your kids through college. Let's talk through the major areas of someone's financial plan. 
that need to be looked at or that need to be addressed in this transition. Well, I like how you frame that. You, you said that this is part of an overall financial plan, and that's what this show is all about. We're trying to remind people that there are six areas of your financial life. All of them are important, and certainly you, you take a goal as big as planning for college, sending your kids off to college, and it has to be done in the context of an overall financial plan. But uh, if we were going to hit the six areas that really need to be emphasized, you know, of the six areas, which ones need to be uh, really pointed out, you have to start with college planning itself. That is one of the six areas. It's kind of shared with, uh, with retirement planning as the fifth area. But if you're going to unpack that, Mike, I mean, h- how would you walk us through the process of planning for college? Yeah, good point. And, and I, I'm, I'm biased, of course, we all are because of where we work and the fact that we do financial planning for a living. We feel a bias towards our approach to helping people plan for college. But again, this is a huge goal and it takes a long time for people to, to get ready for. So yeah, as we're talking about this transition, the first area of your financial plan that you need to address is you've got to build a plan for college. That plan, in my opinion, has four steps to it. And the first, you've got to figure out what your goals are. And for each person, it's different. You may have a vision for for paying for all of your kids' school, maybe even some grad school. You may only want to just pay for tuition or half of school, something like that. But you first need to figure out what's your goal. And as we coach with people, it's, all right, you want to pay for all of it or a portion of it or just a flat dollar amount. So first, figure out what your goal is. Second, once you know that, you then need to pick a school. And if your kid is pretty young, if, you're, if your kids are young, that's going to be kind of hard. So I would recommend if you don't have an alma mater or, or a, a school that, you know, you've just said, nope, the kids are definitely going to this school or something like that, then break it down into sections. Yep, I expect, uh, I, I want to plan for sending my kids to a state school for four years or a private institution or an elite school like a Notre Dame or Ivy League, something like that. That obviously, I mean, sending your kids to Notre Dame is obviously going to be more expensive than sending them to IUSB, right? So that's the second part of this goal is to figure out what type of school. The third step is really where the planning comes in. And that's a very elaborate, detailed process that we walk people through to forecast what today's school prices are for whatever school you chose, what they'll be out in the future. We factor in inflation and determine how much you need to be saving each month or each year to reach that goal. And then the final step is just tuning into that plan. Are you still on track? Have circumstances changed where we need to rebuild the plan or, or adapt it a bit? You know, I can't help but to just think through the emotions that can hit, be hit in every single one of those stages that you just described. I mean, this, this goal, there's a reason why it's often an area of conflict for, for two spouses. You know, they share maybe differing opinions on how much to contribute. Oh, I thought you were going to say, like, my wife likes Notre Dame and I like Michigan. Well, There's that conflict, too. Yeah, that's an obvious one, though. <laughs> a house divided there, it sounds that's like. That's right. But, uh, you know, as you cut through the emotional side of, of planning, there are some just nuts and bolts, mathematical type things that you need to be paying attention to. An example of that, one of the key areas of financial planning that really it changes when you get to the college stage of, uh, of your life is tax planning. Your tax picture changes dramatically. All of a sudden, there are new tax credits available to you. There are new uh, tax shelters that you may be using when you're preparing for this. So understanding the tax ramifications of getting ready for this goal is really, really important. 
Yeah, I think there's some traps in in the tax planning as well, because if if your child is younger than 17, then you've been probably getting the child tax credit. But of course, as they enter the college years, they're they're 17 or older, and so you're losing that. And also, we've talked about this on the show before, but if your child doesn't go to school full-time and and, and works part-time and makes more than a certain amount, you might not even be able to claim them as a dependent. So college planning, that's, that's that's a huge issue. Kevin, what about if someone's working this plan and saving up for college, what type of investment account or college savings account would you typically recommend? I mean, that hits a few of these areas of financial planning. Yeah, certainly the area of investment planning is very important. And so when you look at that, you say, what vehicles should I be using to reach my goal? And I would encourage people to, to not use investments that were never meant for college savings. So there are certain types of investments, certain types of uh, you know cash value, building life insurance or annuities or things like that that sometimes can be, uh, you know, a, a square peg that are forced into a round hole. I'd, I would try to stay away from those. Certainly if I was in the state of Indiana, I'd have to look at the 529 plan. The nice thing about that is the credit that you get, the 20% credit uh, on the first $5,000 that you contribute. So if you put in five grand, you get a thousand back on your, uh, of a credit on your state against state taxes. So that's, that's a big deal. Um, and you, and there's also a 529 in Michigan that'll get you to, uh, a deduction. Yeah. So I would make sure I understood investment planning, how that tied in with my tax planning. Um, but also as the kids are getting closer to needing to use the funds, I would make sure certainly this year we've seen lots of volatility. I would make sure that the investments were structured in a manner consistent with the time horizon in which they're going to need to be used. That's good stuff. And, you know, even though those three areas of your financial life are probably the ones that really do need to be emphasized, there's there's probably one more that I would throw out there. Um, normally, you don't think of estate planning as, as having much to do with sending your kids off to school. But more and more, I've, I've really been growing in my conviction that parents need to make sure that their children that they're sending out of town have a power of attorney and uh, also a health care representative appointed. These are two really important estate planning type documents that your kids need to have because if they go off to school, have some sort of an accident or terrible event, and they need you coming to their rescue, you have to have the legal authority to make decisions for them uh, since they're, they're adults now. You, you no longer have that uh, automatic authority, and uh, it gives you the permission to talk to doctors, whatever needs to happen if things go crazy, things go wrong when you send your kids off to school. That's the day and age we live in. Right. That they're your kids. You're supporting them. You're paying all the money. But yet you don't have any authority to know what their grades are or talk to doctors about them. So that that's a good point. Uh, Listen, so we talked about building a college plan. And if you've got kids and you're hoping to send them off to school someday or maybe you've got kids just about to enter college and you haven't built a financial plan at Corhorn Financial Group, our advisors are are there to help. I mentioned uh, some pieces of our pretty elaborate process. We've helped families save up to send their kid off to college in Hawaii. I mean, we know exactly what the costs are for each school in the United States and can help you build a plan to get there. So if that's you, give us a call over at Cohorn Financial Group. You can reach us at the Wise Money page 
or at corehorn.com. That's Corhorn with a K. So when we come back, we're going to be talking more about college planning, some of the practical advice that we give, but also some mistakes that you need to avoid along that way. So we've got more coming up in this discussion here on Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group here on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. My name is Mike Bernard and with me is Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, my business partners at KFG. In case you're just joining us, we're talking about the financial planning issues related to one of the biggest and most common financial goals, and that's putting your kids through college. With the cost of colleges soaring and wages barely increasing, paying for college has gotten even tougher. So we're talking about the right way to plan for this in your financial life. A little later, we're going to hit listener questions. As always, you can submit a question to the show in two ways. You can go to wisemoneyradio.com, submit your question right there on the right, or give us a call at 574-222-2000 and leave your question on the voicemail. So we talked about the different areas of your financial planning life that are most important. But let's turn the table and talk about some practical advice, just in case you're in this area and saying, hey, I want to get something applicable here that I can implement. Guys, let's talk through what's what's the first bit of advice you'd give someone? I think the very first step really is deciding, you know, what role you can afford to play in sending your kids off to college. You know, you, you are the ones that get to decide what success is in this particular goal. So you either need to take the approach that says, I'm going to define how much I contribute to my kids' college, or I'm going to define how much I, I'm targeting as far as percentage uh, of the cost to cover. Yeah. So what, what amount of benefit to cover. If you go the contribution route and you have a target there, you're, you're essentially defining, hey, we've got X amount of dollars each month that we're going to set aside for college and we're going to get it growing in in some sort of long-term growth account and whatever it grows to that's what our college or our kids get to use when they get to college so do you are you're not recommending that approach or no i'm saying it's one of the approaches okay okay you know if the reality of your budget is that you've got 250 bucks that you can um, designate each month for that particular goal then set it aside, but that's all you have if, if that's your reality. On the other hand, some people say, hey, we've got the resources, we can do whatever, but I'm choosing to uh, pay for half of uh, a college education maybe. Mm-hmm. Either way, though, if you also partner that up with you know, having some sort of incentives for your kids to get involved themselves, define what amount of skin they need to have in the game. Uh, you know, Maybe you're doing some sort of a matching program or, or something like that. But defining their role as well as your own, I think, are, are two of the crucial steps that some people just breeze by. So define the goal and get your kids involved. Kevin, what do you think? Yeah, I think if I was going to give someone advice, I would say uh, do not procrastinate. With, with There are so many components to putting together a college plan as far as the financial piece goes, but also making the decision which college am I going to go to and am I going to live on campus or off campus? There's so many decisions that if they're if the decisions are made early enough, it, you put yourself in a position and you have lots of freedom. But if you wait, for instance, if you're listening today and you haven't already done your FAFSA form and 
This is a jargon-free zone, so that stands for free application for student aid. So if you haven't already filled that out and you have a student either in college or heading to college in the fall, get online today and take a crack at it. And a lot of times people are reluctant to do so if they haven't ever done it, and it represents something new, and so some fear can be involved and things like that. But I would tell people, do not procrastinate. And so if, if it's not internal and you're not a, 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 a go-getter or able to just do it on your own, get some sort of external stimulus to help you. Like Mike said, get like a coffee. Yeah, you start with coffee. Oh, I good. would definitely start with coffee. Good. Um, but yeah, get get someone who can help you, someone who's done it before. Work with your financial planner. Call your financial planner and say, hey, I need to get this done. Can you help me? So when you said don't procrastinate, another way of saying that is start early. But But you actually took that a different direction. I would go back and say some practical advice is get started now and start early. I've said before that you know, planning for college and sending your kids through through school is not going to happen accidentally. And ca- tuition costs are rising too rapidly, and they're rising at a, at a compound rate. Start saving now so your savings can grow at a compound rate. Exactly. Yeah. You know, if, if you start too late, you lose the benefit of being more aggressive in the early years where you can get a lot of great growth happening early on. As you get closer to the college years, you have to start easing off the throttle a little bit on, on the investment risk that you're taking. So you lose the ability for that compounding growth to really be really be happening for you. That's, that's a good segue because next up I wanted to talk about what are some of the biggest mistakes people make as they're, as they're trying to plan for college. And Josh, before the show, you and I were talking about how we've each seen an instance where people are just taking inappropriate investment risk. Can you share maybe a, a quick story or just yeah, some thoughts I, on that? I bet every financial advisor out there knows somebody who uh, you know, kept on uh, investing in some aggressive manner that maybe made sense early on while the kids are young and college is way off in the horizon, but they kept riding maybe the same individual stock all the way into the college years. And that might work out great if that one single company continues to be a high flyer. But unfortunately, I've seen uh, you know clients who they come to us with a horror story of uh, riding the, the individual stock too long and it actually goes belly up on them. This is almost the, the Enron story in a way only on their college savings for their kids. And it just sets them back in their financial life. They're going to spend years recovering because they they kept pushing too hard on their investments as they got closer to uh, the college years. And and I have that same story with a client, but I, I, I want to share a, a twist on that story too that speaks to the same thing about a big mistake people make is not having the right investment mix. I was meeting with someone whose child was still in middle school. So we were six years away and we had the 529 in a balanced fund. So fairly appropriate for someone still six years off. However, it was year 2008 and the fund did not do well. The market, of course, crashed. This fund was down 20%, but he still had five years left Mm -hmm. before he needed to spend the money. And he panicked and said, get me out of this thing. In fact, I can't believe this, you'd ever allow this to happen to my college account. Sure enough, he moved it all to cash literally the week before the market bottomed. And that same balanced approach would have been very appropriate and did come back for five years. Now his, now his child's in school and he's had to come up with the plan a different way. But this underscores the, the mistake of having the wrong investment approach as you invest and save for college. And I would say we will always talk about the 529 plan when you think about what type of savings vehicle 
but a Roth IRA isn't out of the uh, it, it isn't out of the question when you look at where should I be saving my money? What what types of investment vehicles should I be saving into? And the Roth IRA can give you a lot of flexibility. And the other thing, as you look at managing risk and time horizons, my children are four years apart, but really that means there's eight years as it relates to college. So if if you look and you say, hey, have that money ready for day one of the first child when they get there, really, I still have eight more years. Yeah. So there is there's some planning and some strategy and, and so people say, well, you know, tell us what, what's the right answer. You know, you certainly have the teacher's manual. Look in the back of the book and tell us what's the answer. And there is no right answer. This is really the art side of the equation. To And that's, this is where we want to tailor a plan to uh, what makes sense for the client. Yeah, so greatest mistakes is having the wrong investment approach. And then second, Kevin, you mentioned using the wrong type of account. You, you know, consider the 529 because of the tax advantages, maybe even consider a Roth IRA depending on your situation. Josh, any other quick mistake or add on there? I think there's a whole bunch that we can still hit. There's a whole series of them related to financial aid alone, I think. You know, uh, not, uh, not applying to enough colleges might be a mistake in a lot of cases because you're not putting yourself in a situation where uh, you're getting the most offers coming back to your family for what a college would be willing to uh, to throw at you. So uh, make sure that you're applying to enough schools and you're not singling it down to just one too early in the process. All right. When we come back, we're going to, we're going to talk about getting more proactive in your financial life. So you, you know, talk about what you can be doing in this stage to prepare for the next stage. Coming back on Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group here on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group right here on 95.3 MNC. My name is Mike and with me in studios, Kevin and Josh, we're talking about college planning and the big financial transition of getting the kids off to school and not having it destroy your financial life, right? So we've actually been talking about big mistakes that people make, and we've got, we shared a few, and we're also going to transition into listener questions a little bit later, but we, at the break, we talked about some mistakes that we didn't quite hit. So Josh, Kevin, what what would you fill in there? I think one of the mistakes that a lot of families make, and I put this on the parents mostly because the the student themselves might not be ready to understand or, or to fully grasp the importance of treating college as a true investment in yourself. Mm. You know, often college is just, oh, I'm going to go off to school to wherever I really want to go, where my friends have gone. I want to study what seems interesting to me. And there's not enough thought that goes into, am I going there to acquire marketable skills that are going to help me support myself, have a productive and meaningful career, something that is, yes, satisfying, but also something that will pay the bills too, help pay for that college college investment that's being made. So making a choice, not only on the college that you choose, but what you study, I think is, is really important. And unfortunately, people make the mistake way too often of not giving it enough thought. Yeah, I think that's really evident when people are taking student loans out. They somehow, there's a disconnect between, okay, I'm going to have to pay this money back 
oh, wait, with the skills that I just acquired and the job that I'm going to get, I, I've got to now pay these loans back. And somehow we've seen a lot of people where there's a disconnect there. Yeah, and when I borrowed the money, I was paying little or no taxes. So the money that I'm going to use to pay this back is going to be when I'm actually earning and paying taxes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm going to have to come up with a dollar twenty, dollar thirty, dollar forty, to end up with a dollar in my pocket to pay for my student loans. So it's it's very interesting to consider all the ramifications of borrowing when I basically am in the zero percent tax bracket. Yep. You know, I'm I'm hearing more and more parents. These are younger parents that are you know starting to raise their kids, young kids. Um, and they're talking more about the alternatives to going to college than I've ever heard before. You know, for an entire generation, the message was you have to go to college because if you don't, your earnings capacity is going to be held back for an entire lifetime and, and all that. But more and more parents are looking at the cost of college and considering other things like the military or a trade school or something like that. You and, could buy a business for the cost of sending your kids to school, to a state school. Right. You could buy a franchise. You're right. Well, and don't overlook free online learning, which right now is kind of revolutionizing education and teaching. Uh, MIT currently offers more than 2,000 online courses, and that's not a commercial for MIT. But when you look at, they've had 130 downloads of their free courses. The the colleges are no longer necessarily gatekeepers to an educational experience. Yeah, this, interesting. this financial discussion on college has taken an interesting turn. Any more mistakes that you'd hit before we transition? I've got just a couple, yeah. if I can. So I think not using the right uh, college savings accounts is one that's important. So if you're in Indiana, you need to do the 529 plan. Even but, if you're not, though, you've got to take a hard look at the at the 529 plan. There's another financial radio guy who rarely talks about the 529 plan. I think that's a big mistake. Yeah, and I think when you're when you look at that, if you've got an Indiana 529, you want to use the right accounts in the right order to pay for your kid's college. What do you mean? I mean, with the 529, because people always say, if I use a 529, what happens if my kids don't go to college? And the nice thing is you can pass, you can change the beneficiary. And with a, in the context of a 529, the beneficiary is the child who gets to use it for educa their education. So your oldest could be the beneficiary, and you could move that money right down the line if they don't go to college, go to a school, go in the military, whatever. But um, when you look at that, the, with the Indiana 529 plan, that credit, if you don't use that money for education, not only do you have to pay tax on the gain plus a 10% penalty, which is actually a great deal for most folks. The sure. tax deferral is, is sure. well worth the 10% penalty. But in Indiana... If you received the credit on those dollars and you cash them out and don't use them for college, you're going to have to pay back the credit. Now, I would argue that that's still a great deal and it's worth whatever risk there might be because if your kids don't use it, your grandkids might use it. There might be other family members, really anyone who could possibly use it. But if you've got other 529 plan dollars that aren't Indiana ones, Make sure you're using your Indiana five twenty nine dollars first, and if that if this whole idea isn't making sense to you, but you've got a couple of different education savings accounts, go back and talk to your financial advisor, talk to your tax planner, um, get clarity on which accounts you should use in which order. You, you know that that comment that you just made about coordinating which accounts you're drawing off of, it, it almost underscores the need or the importance to have 
one quarterback that you're working with who's helping you make these decisions. You know, there's a lot of people out there that will work with many different financial advisors. They'll have accounts kind of scattered all over the place. But to not be able to coordinate exactly as you just described, Kevin, I think that's a huge mistake. And I'm glad that you point that one out. Well, how many people come into our office and their kids are maybe already teenagers and they've been saving for college, but they haven't been getting the 529 tax credit? Right. I mean, tons of people. And so, yeah, not having centralized advice or, or a quarterback helping you through the whole process. Yeah, that's a huge mistake. And I think another mistake is if you if you own a small business, there are some benefits that you can put in place that can really favor either key employees or even your own children. And so if you're not aware of those, make sure you're talking to your financial planner or your tax planner. And I think that I think if there's a theme here, what we're encouraging people to do is really educate themselves because another mistake people make is they they end up raising their expected family contribution. And if that doesn't ring a bell with you and, and that doesn't make any sense to you, just a, a quick summary. The idea is who should own what assets in what type of an account. Mm-hmm. And if your kids own stuff in the wrong type of an account, it can count against you when applying for financial aid. Okay, so we've been talking about the big goal and the very difficult financial goal of planning for college. But right after you plan for college and the kids get through school is retirement. So we've got a few of these life transitions that happen right on top of each other. So what should people be focused on when their kids are in school to prepare for the next transition in life? Well, that next transition where you have a gap in the action where you've sent the kids off to school, you're now an empty nester and getting ready for retirement, this is the phase. I mean, it could be 10, 15, 20 years long that you can now start to focus on your own long-term planning. Hopefully you've been doing that all along, but now it's crunch time, right? I mean, you're going to start running out of years if you haven't jumped on the retirement planning bandwagon. If If you're not very clear in the direction you're headed for that goal, then now's the time to get focused. Yeah, I would encourage people to get ready for that next phase. Don't stop saving for retirement right now. When the kids are in school, it's very expensive. You're paying for tuition and all of that sort of stuff. And I think there's a temptation for a lot of people, well, I'm just going to back down on my 401k contribution or my IRA contribution. And that could be a big mistake because coming right on the heels of this is you got to get ready for ready for retirement. So... I also think a big risk right now in getting ready for the next stage is taking on too much debt, where the parents are taking on the debt for the student to get them through college, and then when the kids are then done and you're an empty nester, you're still paying for school when you should be getting ready for retirement. So anyway, okay, guys, we've got more coming up here on Wise Money. We're actually going to be breaking down some listener questions. We've got some good ones coming up here on Wise Money with Corhorn Finance Group here on 95.3 MNC. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel, your breaking news and weather station. Powered by Ledoux, Curran, and Keene on the web at lck-law.com. Remax inspired homes and First State Bank. Welcome back to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group here on 95.3 MNC. My name is Mike and in the studio with me, Josh and Kevin. The three of us are financial advisors at Corhorn Financial Group. And it's now time to transition to listener questions. If you have a question for us on the show, we'd love to answer it. Although, as Kevin mentioned earlier, we've kind of got a backlog here, which is great. And uh, But, yeah, if you have a question, you can submit it to us in two ways. You can give us a call at 
2000. That's a voicemail box, so don't get nervous about having to talk on air and all that stuff. Just leave your question right there on the voicemail and all the details and all of that. Or you can go online. Check us out at wisemoneyradio.com. You can listen to past episodes and see information about the show and leave a question right there on the website. So first question comes from Julie from South Bend. I'm confused about my taxes this year. I got a 1099 from an investment account that I have with my husband saying that we have capital gains to report on our tax return, but our mutual funds lost money last year. Is that a mistake? That's a great question, Julie. It's not a mistake, most likely. Now, that account, you said you have it with your husband. So you're seeing a 1099. At the end of the year, these uh, investment companies, so think of a mutual fund as an investment company, they have to send you tax reporting documents. And they're going to send you those tax reporting documents, and they're also going to send a copy to the IRS. So when you get those and you say, well, wait a minute, if my if I lost money in my mutual fund last year, how in the world can I pay taxes? And what happens is it, the way a mutual fund works, you've got diversification, you've got professional management and, and lower costs of investing. And so um, w- with this, these um, gains that get passed through to you, you say, how do, how do I have gains that get passed through to me when the fund actually lost money in that year? And the way that that works is if your investment manager, your professional management made a decision in last spring when the market was at a high to sell their bank stocks and get into oil stocks. Bad. Ooh. And they and they might have owned those bank stocks for the last eight years. And so they've ridden the roller coaster up and here you go, they sell them at a high. So now there's a gain that you'd recognize, and yet the fu- you put the money into, and uh, the manager puts it into oil stocks, and now the fund goes down. And so you say, well, wait a minute, I have a lower balance at the end of the year than I started the year with, and yet I still have to pay taxes. Can that be right? And actually it is, and it, 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 although it might feel a little bit painful, here's the good news, is when you pay taxes on capital gains, what you are doing is you're increasing your cost basis in that investment. So it really isn't the end of the world. If you just bought it in January of that year and you um, had a gain that was passed through to you that you paid taxes on, you increased your cost basis. If you sold it early this year, you'd recognize a loss at the end of the year. Yeah, so that may have gotten a bit complicated. But in essence, within a mutual fund, even if you didn't sell anything and even if your balance went down, that mutual fund may own shares of Apple stock inside it. And the manager may have sold Apple stock and there was a gain on the in, within the mutual fund. The mutual fund doesn't pay tax on that. They report that capital gain and pass it on to the shareholders. So you've got to report that capital gain on your tax return, even if you had a loss in that account this year. So, okay. Uh, complicated, but great question, Julie. Eric is our next question from Mishawaka. My company contributes money to my HSA. That's awesome. Yeah, but, great benefit. But I never have. Should I start doing this or should my money go elsewhere? Well, Eric, hopefully you've heard us on this show emphasize how great an HSA is. If you're a regular listener, you know that we are fans of using a health savings account because of the tax savings. I think where maybe the three of us sometimes differ is in how we suggest people fund it. And I think Kevin and Mike... (laughs) You guys, you guys might have the more financially smart way. I, I will admit that, but I think my way is more practical. Oh. Okay? There's two ways that you can get money into an HSA. You can have it pulled out of your paycheck if your employer will do that, and it can go straight into the HSA. You guys will point out, I'm going to do it for you. Oh, thanks. Uh, that, that helps you save 
more taxes, right? It's because you save FICA tax by doing it that way. So payroll taxes, you don't have to pay doing it that way. The way that I often suggest that folks do it, um, it, if cash is tight sometimes and setting dollars aside into an HSA where you really can only use it for medical expenses, if that doesn't fit in your life early on, you may want to pile it up in a different savings account and then just shift the money into the HSA as you need it. So if you have a medical expense come up, first put money into the HSA and pay the medical expense out of that. You're giving up that FICA tax savings though, uh, which again, the smart guys in the room would say, why do that? But the, the ideal arrangement would actually be to get an entire year's worth of uh, your deductible saved into an HSA so you know you can handle those immediate expenses and then do what Kevin and Mike would say, and yeah. that is uh, have it pulled out of your paycheck. Either way, you're getting a resounding yes from us, and HSA is definitely a tool worth using if you have it available to you. Yeah, and Eric, if you're listening to this or anyone listening and it's still tax time, you can fund your HSA right up to your tax filing deadline. So I would encourage you, if you haven't complete, fully funded your HSA and you've got any resources to do so, I would encourage you to do that. You know what I like doing is if you sit down and you do your taxes and you've got maybe two or three grand coming in a refund, you might be tempted to say, hey, I can get a bigger flat screen TV or maybe a more comfortable couch. But what if you took your refund that you're supposed to get and direct that into an HSA for last year? That will increase your refund even more and set some money aside uh, earmarked for health expenses that we know are coming. That's right. At some point in the future. So. Yeah, good. Good stuff. Okay, next question is from Mary from Elkhart. I received a small inheritance when my dad passed away a few years ago, and I've just kept it sitting in the bank. The problem is it's not earning any interest. What can I do with this money to get it to grow? Lot. There's a lot in that question. Yeah, I think you have to first decide what you're going to use the money to grow for. You know, what's the purpose of this money? If, if you looked at these dollars that you inherited and said, boy, this is, this is retirement money for 10 years down the road or, or more, then I would be thinking about using a Roth IRA or a traditional IRA, depending on your tax picture, and um, you know, using those dollars to grow them, maybe in mutual funds within those accounts, get some sort of long-term growth for the future. On the other hand, if you've got kids going off to college, as we've been talking about, um, you, you know, you may want to take advantage of the 529 plan in your state. If that's Indiana, then there's some sweet uh, tax credits uh, attached to that. So you want to take advantage of it. But for other people, you might look at an inheritance and it's finally funding that emergency fund that you've never really managed to build build up. If that's the case, then you're using a totally different tool there as well. But the whole point is that you need to match the account type that you're using with the purpose for the money and also your tax picture. But then you match the investment tool with the time horizon and the risk tolerance. And you know, a financial advisor or an investment advisor can help you with those types of decisions. Yeah, I think, Mary, a lot of times the reason why that money is still in the bank after a few years is because there are some emotions that are connected to that money. And so you say, well, I'm not... I don't know what to do. I don't want to make a mistake. That money could uh, represent a tie between you and dad. Yeah. And it, doing something with that money would uh, maybe be actually coming to grips with the idea that dad is gone. Yeah. It, it can be paralyzing at times, can it? Very difficult. Very difficult. And so what 
I would encourage you just to build on what Josh said as well, is if you don't have your cash reserve, let that serve as your cash reserve. If you've already got your cash reserve built up, then let that pay off any high interest debt that you might have. I'm assuming if you have any outstanding debt, it's at a, it's at a higher cost than what the bank is paying you because the bank really is paying about five basis points. So on $10,000, if I save $10,000 in the bank for one year, I'm going to get a whopping $5 worth of interest. So it's not, that's not terribly exciting. So you could apply that towards any outstanding debt that you have. And if all of that is done, I would say use this money. This money was meant to bless you and to be a blessing. Use it as a blessing that it is and start funding. So whether it's an IRA or a Roth IRA, fund an HSA, fund a 529, fund something that would give you a tax lift today, quite possibly. Um, and once that's done, if all of those things are done, then maybe you want to just go have some, have some fun. Go use it for lifestyle. Go, go to Ireland or someplace crazy like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, inherited dollars, it's, there's actually a whole kind of behavioral financial theory on how people typically treat these dollars a little bit differently. And it's harder to consider that they're actually yours. And so I think that's, that's first what Kevin was talking about is, are these dollars yours or are there, is there some emotional kind of attachment to your, your dad and, and so on? But second, once, once you identify that, yep, these are my dollars, then I'd turn to what Josh said and say, how, do, how can you use them best in your financial life? And the investment return should match the time horizon and really that use, that goal. So your question here stated, what can I do to get this money to grow? But well, let's first figure out, is that its purpose in your financial life? Should it be growing? And the way you decide that is by building an overall financial plan. Sometimes these these pennies from heaven, the dollars that you didn't expect to receive, often people don't hold themselves accountable to any overall plan because they were surprise dollars they weren't expected. So in my mind, any inheritance needs to work into your financial plan. Get started working on it today. Okay, guys. Great show. We were talking about college planning. If you missed anything, check us out online and get the, get the podcast there. Thanks for tuning in to Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. I'm Mike Bernard. On behalf of myself, Kevin Corhorn, Josh Gregory, and the rest of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group on 95.3 MNC. Securities are offered through Securities America, Inc., member FINRA SIPC. Financial advisors offer advisory services through KFG Wealth Management, LLC, doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC, Corhorn Financial Group, KFG Insurance Agency, and KFG Tax and Business Services are separate entities from Securities America, Inc. Tax services provided by KFG Tax and Business Services and insurance services provided by KFG Insurance Agency. Listen again next week to Wise Money on News Talk 95.3 Michiana's News Channel.